Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is Chucky Arlaw back with episode two of the Curse Discussions podcast. Today, joining me, we have Andreago, uh, and he is here to talk to me today about conspiracy theories. Uh, Andreago. Oh boy, <laughs> you can just call it. You can just call it conspiratory. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't really care. That's where I was gonna go. So you're a bit of a self-confessed conspiratard, is that fair to say? Uh, I, I'd say, yeah, it's, I, I think that's a fair thing to say about, um, I don't know, maybe like 50 to 60% of the time. Okay, so 50 to 60% of the time, does that mean that 50 to 60% of the time you're a conspiratard and the other 40% you're not? Or does that mean that like you're 60% a conspiratard all the time? I, well, I'd say that um, that pro- it, like it pretty much means that I believe in about 50, 50 to sixty percent of the things that your average conspiratory believes. Oh, okay, see, more or less. That's kind of high because see here the, the thing. Well, is, is I, that- actually, it might be kind of. I mean, that might be slightly. It might be a bit of an overestimate, but overestimation. But I mean, doesn't yeah. the average conspiratory believe in shit like reptilians, flat Earth, etc.? I mean, do you believe in that? Stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I actually. Well, obviously, there's not a lot of research into this field. But I really don't know that the average conspiratory believes that kind of stuff because I, that really falls more into the category of just like new agers, new agers, and just like complete and utter conspiratards who are obviously just completely, they're just they, utter lunatics. So, so conspiratarded that they've like ascended to the next level and they've become like TI targeted individuals. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's bad. Yeah. All right. So you're not quite at that level yet. That's good to know. But, yeah, and also, I mean, we have to consider, uh, I mean, what exactly qualifies as a conspiratory? I mean, the fact that you believe in one conspiracy, does that make you a conspiratory? Or does it have to be uh, a general sort of proclivity towards believing in conspiracy theories? I guess. I mean, we were talking about, though, you, I mean, you said you were a conspiratory or, 60% of the time in the sense that you believed in about 60% of the stuff that the average conspiratory does. And then I guess I know, but when we're talking about the average conspiratory, you know, we have to, you know, are we looking at, you know, the span of people who believe in one, like just one conspiracy, or like all of them? So we have to like define it. Okay. Well, speaking of which conspiracies you may or may not believe in, today I want to start off by getting into one that is sort of become pretty popular recently because it's it's topical, you know, current events. And that is the whole David Hogg crisis actor uh, stuff, particularly not, not only with David Hogg, but with all of these mass shootings that have been happening uh, recently. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's this meme out there in these conspiracy circles that I guess, if I understand it correctly, um, the government is supposedly hiring people to pretend to have been victims. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, well, the theory is that, uh, well, I mean, there's different types of crisis actor theories, but, uh, I mean, more or less the theory is that, yes, uh, well, some, actually, some conspirators believe that, and actually the interesting thing is that I haven't seen this occurring um, nearly as much. I mean, there's many instances, um, in, like, for example, with Sandy Hook and Aurora, and uh, a lot of other kinds of shootings and events, terrorist events, bombings. Uh, there are people who uh, put forth the idea or posit that it just didn't happen, that it was a hoax, um, which is, I mean, clearly ridiculous. Eleven uh, might have been a hoax. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, there's <laughs> way there's way too many witnesses. They didn't all just, uh, you know, uh, you know, they clearly did not hire, you know, a thousand people to claim that they witnessed an event. There's obviously no way that you could keep that conspiracy <laughs> a secret for more than two seconds. I think no one but, um, did nine eleven. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's clearly insane. Uh, but the crisis actor theory is, I mean, slightly more plausible. I mean, they're not necessarily, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, most people who believe in the hoax theories also believe in crisis actors, because obviously a hoax necessitates that you have crisis actors. But there's people who don't believe in hoaxes who believe that there are crisis actors. And I guess that's slightly more plausible. But the problem is that there's, I mean, really almost no evidence i mean there's literally no evidence they're crisis actors i mean all these people all they do is they express their incredulity at how they behave and they say oh oh, this person would never behave this after their child dies or after they witnessed all their friends being massacred and i mean i mean you just don't know that i mean even though their behavior might be unbelievable i mean i mean really it's just not strong evidence but I think there is, I think it's definitely a possibility 
that there is kind of a covert PR effort behind David Hogg. I mean, I think that's pretty likely. The fact that he's been plastered all over television. If you're NPR or the media, I mean, you know this just does not happen organically most of the time. So the, most of the time, just like with the Indian, just like with the Indian, uh, what was that guy who, who was the Indian kid, like the Muslim clock boy? There's oh, some article Ahmed, written yeah. about how know, they literally yeah. exposed that it was a literal PR effort and there were like documents that were to with the White House. Cool clock on it. Yeah, I mean, so to the extent, and I believe, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really all that there is to the crisis actor theory, more or less. So the, the crisis actor theory, if I can clarify, the more moderate version of it basically is that, uh, like, so there's an actual shooting or a bombing or whatever, some sort of event that occurs. And then what happens is the government goes to, or the, the Illuminati, the New World, whatever they are. Yeah, they, we'll get to that later. They go, to, <laughs> they go to their, like, stock of, I guess, these people that they have who, I guess, will say stuff about what happened that is misleading to the public about how the event actually took place. And that will be used to promote certain narratives that the uh, New World Order wants to promote. Is that a fair... Yeah. Um, and I would say that with certain shootings, I don't think it's out of the question that there was further government involvement in the shooting. If you look at a lot of the eyewitness statements, um, like, for example, with Sandy Hook, if you look at the Sandy Hook police reports, virtually none, I mean, almost none of the witnesses report having seen someone who looks like Adam Lanza. I mean, Adam Lanza was tall, skinny, and he was wearing, like, green fatigues and clothes. And this is just one example, but it's the clearest one. Um, but almost, I, I think, like, the majority, if you go through the police, like, systematically go through the police reports, which is on, like, one website, like, a Connecticut State Police website, and go through all the, like, police reports, none of the witnesses report having seen someone like Adam Lanza. They saw, like, a short, stocky guy in black, in all black with a mask on. They saw, like, and a gym I, cell. Yeah, like a, yeah, they saw a gym cell, and then also, uh, I can't, yeah, in Columbine, uh, in Columbine, there are also people who witnessed. Uh, I believe it was like a third suspect communicating with uh, with the two Columbine shooters throughout the whole thing, and then also they were involved. There's other things like if you look at these people's background, like Adam Lanza, his mom told a bunch of people that the CIA and FBI had, like, knocked at their door, and they were had, they were supposedly had been trying to, like, talk to Adam Lanza for some time, <laughs> and the Columbine shooters were uh, had, were involved in some kind of militia that had given them guns that was never reported <laughs> on by the mainstream media for some reason. There was literally some, like, right-wing militia that had given them guns, and this was just never reported. So, so Columbine there's was other kind of, there's 1776 like, commencing? Yes, it was. But So I, I guess the, bro the broader point is that there's intrigue in these shootings that may involve the government. I'm not, I'm not going to say that's always a ridiculous thing to say. Okay, Th that's something that you brought up, you alluded to, the idea of there being another person with Adam Lanza or another person with um, Eric and Dylan. Um, this is a common thread that I've seen in a lot of conspiratorial circles, and it always seems to happen around the beginning of these shootings. Uh, I, I, the one incident that's fresh in my mind is... The, the one, I think it was in California, where there was that couple that shot those people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the San Bernardino shooters. Yeah, they San witnessed, Bernardino, they said, exactly. the, some of the witnesses said that they saw uh, three, like, tall and muscular men yes, wearing military yeah. clothes, like SWAT gear, doing the shooting, as opposed to these, like, two diminutive little, like, brown people. You know? And I think there was also a thing where a lot of people thought that there was a third person in the Pulse nightclub shooting as well. I that, that one I was a lot less clear on. Um... That And this is another thing I wanted to talk about in relation to this. A lot of these, there seems to be a lot of just, like, ridiculous disinformation being pushed about it. And I don't know if it's, like, intentional or not or how organic this whole trend of hoaxers is. With a lot of these shootings, there does seem to be kind of a push. And whether it's organic or not, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think there's any way that we can really prove this. But, for I mean, for some, with certain shootings, for some reason, I mean, it may just be random. Uh, I mean, it may just be... I don't know, just randomly distributed for some kind of odd reason, or they just maybe some random variable that I'm just not aware of that you just can't gauge. But I mean, with some of these, the whole hoaxer, all the ridiculous YouTube, like conspiracy YouTube videos, like analyze, like all this, doing all this ridiculous analyzing the footage and all this garbage, it seems to be a lot more prevalent with certain shootings than others. And the Orlando nightclub one, 
uh, was one of the worst. And now with this most recent one, there's not that many, I haven't seen that many people on YouTube pushing the idea that it was a hoax or that there were, there was a government involvement. It's just the, the crisis actor. When you're theory. talking about the most recent one, you're referring to the one with the the La Creatura, uh, David Hogg type people? Yes. Okay. What was that? That was a high school or something? Parkland? Yeah. Uh, the one thing that's most interesting about that is that uh, he, uh, the, the the La Creatura, or El Atrocidad, or whatever you want to call him, which I, I guess no, some people... La know Creatura that, is the, girl, the survivor girl, Emma Gonzalez. Oh yeah, that's right. Because feminine, so ball, it's a lot. Yeah, she's like a like shaved head, like weird, like. Okay, well, yeah, she's season. a lot creature. Yeah, she's a lot creature. Yeah, that's what I'm, this is what I'm. I'm referring to the Parkland shooting. Yes, she was a survivor of the Parkland shooting. Yes. Okay, so but you were talking about the shooter, or who are you talking about? I'm yeah, I'm talking about the shooter, the El Atrocidad, since okay. it's masculine, it's a male. Um, he said I don't that know he, what he heard like actually. I mean, there's pictures all over him. Uh, all, all like all over the internet of him, but um, he said that he heard um, voices that told him what to do, and this is actually a thread uh, that's in a lot of other mass shootings as well. I mean, there's a really obscure one in like Paducah, Kentucky, or something like that, and it's a really it was one that was big back in the '90s, but kind of fell out of favor with conspiratards. Was but this the guy who Columbine? Yeah, I believe it was. I, it was either pre-Columbine or right after Columbine. It was that same okay. general time period. But he reported. There were a bunch of others too. These the two that just come right off the top of my head. But he were having he reported hearing shooters as well. And the interesting thing about what he said is hearing that these voices, voices, yes, he heard voices in his head that were telling him to, it was telling him to do things. And the most interesting, the only thing that about it that really makes me give it that really makes makes me give pause. I don't even know if that's the right phrase. That I'm sounding retarded. Pause. That gives me pause. Thank you. Is that he? he had to unlock like the gate to the school or something like that. And he did not know where the key was. This guy was retarded. I mean, he was clearly <laughs> retarded. He had no clue how to do anything. And he said that he heard the voices in his head, tell him where the key to this gate was okay, like the but, key to the gate to the school and all this other cra- bizarre like crazy stuff. people hear voices all the time, right? Like I know, but where did he find the key? How did he find the key there? He didn't know. Where I don't the key know. Was. Where did fucking Joan of Arc find the sword buried under the church or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not proof of anything, but I mean, it's interesting nonetheless. That is interesting, but I'm going to be honest. That to me is not, not the most compelling, uh, conspiracy evidence that I've heard. And I'm not one who's even big on conspiracy evidence. None of the shooting conspiracy evidences are really all that great. Okay. I mean, the shooting stuff is stuff that's, like, not really... I mean, it's typically not investigated that extensively as opposed to something like 9-11 or JFK or something like that. I mean, it's just... It's generally... I mean, you're right. It is generally in the realm of, like, YouTube conspiratards who are generally just very bad. Okay, so on the hierarchy of, like, conspiratards, YouTube ones are are the... uh... The lowest ranks. Got it. But yeah, but the evidence is I just mentioned, the thing is, is that those are, and that's much better than most of the stuff that the people on YouTube put out about these shootings. I mean, most of what they do is, I mean, they look at a video and they just go, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. Okay, this can't happen. Oh. And they literally, just, they, that's all they do. They don't do anything. They just cry and whine and say it's impossible. That and they don't violates give any Occam's razor. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So, okay, but... Given that, uh, you know, a lot of these shooting conspiracy theories are uh, bad anyway in terms of the evidence that is summoned to support them, can you at least tell me give, me, give me two things. So first I want to hear which conspiracy, I mean, which shooting do you think is the most likely to have something other than the official story to it? And which shooting do you think is the least, like, are, are conspiracy theories about it the, the, the dumbest? If that made sense. Like, which, which I think, has the yeah, smartest so the out of, uh, you know, of out of the out of these shootings that, or out of the most recent shootings, like, I mean, since the 90s or whatever, that have been highly publicized, which is, like, which has the smartest conspiracy, which has the smartest conspiracies, which have the dumbest conspiracies and by surrounding smartest, them. I mean most likely to happen, not most likely. Yeah, most likely. Most okay. likely to be true. Um... I mean, let's just go with the least likely to be true first. I mean, that's the hard one to say. I think there's a lot of them that are more or less equally less li- equally unlikely to have happened, but probably the most ridiculous one 
is all this stuff about, and this actually wasn't very widely, this was one of, wasn't a widespread hoax theory, but the idea that the Las Vegas shooting was a hoax. Really? I mean, it's obviously just ridiculous. Okay, well, yeah, well, there okay. were a few people that, there well, were a few people that said that. Yeah, there were a few people that said that. Also, I think Sandy Hook is one where the hoax theory is more popularly or more popularly accepted and is more known generally. I guess um, if you're so, saying, I guess it's either it's either Las Vegas or Sandy Hook. If 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 someone were to say that Las Vegas a shooting did not in fact occur, I can understand why that would be pretty ridiculous. But to be honest, like if we're just talking about conspiracy theories in general, that something other than the official narrative was at foot, I think I would put, you know, this is with my limited knowledge on this subject, but I would put the Las Vegas shooting probably near the top as one of the ones that seems the most fishy to me. And well, the if that's the that, que- if that's the question then I would agree with you. I thought you I thought we were talking about no, price I'm, oh, accurate I'm not hoax just theories. talking about hoaxes. I'm just talking about okay. something other than the official narrative. I uh, yeah, then I would have to agree with you. I'd probably put Las Vegas near the top. The other another one that would I put near the top would probably be Columbine, and this is actually one that almost no one uh, really talks about. Um, but there is, I mean, there have been a number of articles written about this, and there is a pretty good YouTube video on this, and it's not a conspiratorial YouTube video. Well, I mean, I guess it is a conspiratorial YouTube video, but it's, I mean, relatively better than virtually every single one it's on any other mass shooting. Uh, Reddit yeah, it's an, on- it's an honorary, um, like, Slate Star Codex yeah, okay. conspiracy video. Um, and it's it an essentially, and it's, it essentially just goes, um, I mean, through all, there's literally just, like, tens of other students who said that there are other people who are going to be, Which who are supposed to be involved this? in this Columbine. Okay, Columbine. Um, and there's also just like tens of eyewitnesses throughout the Columbine police reports of there having been other people who were adults throwing pipe bombs off the top of the school. I mean, I mean, it's literally just blatantly. And I, I refuse to believe that these people just mass hallucinated all of these people doing this. I mean, I, this is another thing people bring up. They, people, they bring up. Or is that well, this is a really, a, this, is, this is a really, changed their no, this story. is a really, no, they didn't. This is in the police reports. This is people who they interviewed for when they published the police reports. The people they interviewed in the police reports, and this is what they said. This is what the witnesses said. Okay, that's interesting. This is not something that many conspiratards have said, but this is what witnesses have said. And a counter-argument against this that a lot of people posit is that, oh, well, you know, eyewitness accounts aren't very reliable. Well, I mean, yes, but most of the eyewitness, eyewitness reliability studies come from people, the accuracy of people who recall from, like, police lineups who they saw, which is clearly a different, which is clearly just a, in completely different territory than having seen something or not seen something like having okay, seen I some, see. having seen someone with a mask or having seen someone throwing bombs. Uh, and obviously it also just becomes extremely unlikely because I mean, the theory is that, you know, they're supposed to randomly and accurately recall things, which it's extremely unlikely that if all of these eyewitness accounts match up, that is they correlate it's extremely unlikely that they all just mass hallucinated the same thing. If well, let, me, let me push back on this for a second, though. I've uh, heard, and I think this is, uh, you know, lay official science or whatever, that memory is a very fickle thing and that it is quite easy, you know, oftentimes for people to, um, you know, be induced into thinking they remember something that actually didn't happen and they can be influenced in that way and my question would be whether these people who are recalling you know adults throwing pipe bombs or whatever did they have a chance to talk to each other or did they all say this independently without talking to each other at all well we don't know if they talked to each other or not i mean it's likely they did talk to some others i mean not all the others but um they were interviewed, and well, they were interviewed very shortly after the shooting. So they clearly didn't have that much time to talk. Uh, I mean, for that long. I mean, it's very likely that they did somehow communicate in some way or another before they were interviewed. But I still, I mean, I mean, is the is, the, is like ideation of seeing some adult throwing a pipe bomb off the top of the school. I mean, is it really that likely? I mean, you know, it's illegal to give a false report to the police. And even 16 and 17 year olds know this. I mean, it, uh, that just seems very unlikely to me. Okay. All right. Well, I guess uh, 9-11 really was an inside job after all.
Yeah, I get. Yeah, that, there it goes. I mean, there's yeah. there's the proof. It's all there. Checkmate atheist. I have the documents. Uh, oh, that's a meme. See, I that's funny. You're saying I have the documents. I thought that that was just this guy I knew. Uh, Danny Panzella. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. He's like a New York City, Long Island conspirator, and he used to always talk about, "I have the documents. I have the documents." That night. Well, that was a that was a reference to Alex Jones. Oh, okay. He got that from Alex Jones. That's funny because I remember he posted something on Facebook that said that he was holding the documents in his hand. I don't know. I don't know who this person is. I don't know if Alex Jones got it from him or if he got it from Alex Jones. I think it's pretty but, uh, unlikely that Alex Jones because this is just some guy. I, <laughs> I think he had some kind of following though. I'm not sure. That's very odd. Okay, but this is an interesting transition, though. Like, let's talk about um, let's talk about nine eleven. Let's talk about the big one here. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about nine eleven. So, right. what happened to Building Three? Does that have a good explanation? What's what's the Building deal with Three? It? Yeah. <laughs> or what's it? What's it called? Is it called Building Three? Is that not what it's called? Uh. I think it was like WTC seven or no 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 it wasn't. Yeah, well, okay, well, I mean, oh, wait, there were not seven. I don't buildings. remember. It was the yeah there was it was the complex didn't have seven buildings in it, but it was called. Oh, did, I, I don't, don't even remember what I it was have called. No idea but. what it did. I just basically don't know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna come right out and say it. I'm not gonna pretend. But I actually don't know. I actually do not know what it's called either. Which I mean may sound ridiculous coming from a conspirator. And um, I don't know which tower fell first, either the the north end, north tower, or the south tower. Yeah, how do you um, call yourself a conspirator? Yeah, I don't kid? know. I don't know how I call myself a conspirator. All I know is just this random kind of assortment of little yeah. conspirator facts. I guess you said you were only sixty percent. So, but uh, well, I can't go into the stuff that I did. And, okay, well, first I, I want to say this first: the uh, I mean, quote unquote, evidences surrounding like how the buildings fell and. Uh, you know, whether the one building collapsed with, like, uniform acceleration to the bottom, um, and all of this, like, just ridiculous, like, analysis of uh, what happened. I mean, this kind of stuff is just, it's definitely the least convincing evidence of 9-11, of there having been something more to 9-11 than the official story. I mean, a lot of it is just, I mean, honestly, kind of dumb. I mean... and, and there's so, there's a lot of debate as to whether you know there was because apparently the buildings were shoddily built, and because they were you know built in the '60s, and there may have been already existing structural damage to the third building that fell that was not hit by a plane. Um, it, it's just it's just something that no one really has like complete information on. So, so you would say that you don't find any of the stuff about oh the free fall speed. Or the jet fuel can't melt steel beams, or or whatever. You don't find any of that convincing. The only two, uh, the only two in that category that I find even remotely uh, compelling at all are all the uh, accounts of firemen and people who are doing cleanup at the scene afterwards of having witnessed uh, molten and sulfidated steel at the bottom uh, at the cleanup site that melted their boots. Um, okay. which no one's really p- provided like a plausible explanation as to how that would have happened, how that could exist there. Um, and then secondly, it's very doubtful. It's very doubtful or, well, I wouldn't say it's very doubtful, but this is the cons- what the conspirators say. They say it's doubtful that, that the two main, the two main WTC towers that were hit by planes. Uh, I don't remember which one, whether it was the North tower, or the South tower that was hit in the corner of the building, but one of the planes just hit the corner of the tower, and there's it did not hit the structural core of the building because in the middle of each of the buildings was um, a structural core that was meant to resist damage, so that even if the building collapsed, the structural core would have stayed upright. Um, and what they say is that this had to have been somehow uh, pulverized for the building to have completely come down for nothing left for there to have been nothing left there, and then also. There's also uh, evidence of, and there's multiple people who've said they found uh, in a, they found evidence of nanothermite in the residues, and in particulate matter, in particulate matter um, collected at the scene. And nanothermite is, um, it's pretty much an experimental incendiary and oxidizer, 
which pretty much just makes combustion much more powerful. And there's, uh, and as far as I know, I mean, there have been scientific papers that have been published that uh, pretty much find that nanothermite was definitely found um, at the scene. And then also, I believe FEMA... We looked at the data. Yeah, and then FEMA actually recommended... Because FEMA said they... FEMA didn't say they found nanothermite, but they said they found evidence of incendiaries, of explosive incendiaries in the debris. Um, and they recommended further investigation into it, but nothing ever came of it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, because... So, a couple things there I want to say. First off, regarding the melted steel that you said you found it was found on the firefighters, uh, by the firefighters and melted their boots or whatever, uh, that's an interesting riff on the general jet fuel can't melt steel beams thing. Because the lay skeptic Reddit argument that I've always heard, which I found pretty convincing, was that you know, jet fuel cannot melt steel beams, but that what happened was the building, you know, the beams were not actually melted, but they were just weakened by the jet fuel uh, such that they were easily bendable and that they then collapsed under the building's weight. Uh, yes. But if you're saying that the jet fuel, I mean, the, the steel beams were molten or that the steel was molten, and it was uh, melted. I guess that does mean that steel was melted somehow, assuming that that's actually true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah, and then that also adds, uh, more there's a couple other there's a couple other things I forgot to mention. There's uh, apparently there are some pictures of uh, certain parts of the building that essentially look like they're cut at a 45 degree angle, um, which may or may not be evidence of some kind of incendiary or explosive being used. Um, cause that would not have happened under a natural kind of implosion of the building. Um, and then secondly, there are many, I, there are like hundreds of people who said that they, uh, heard explosions towards the base of the building, uh, that day before the plane even hit. Um, so that's another thing. I mean, you can take, you can take that at face value, uh, in regard to the nanothermite, which you mentioned earlier, this is something that I, I, I we, you know, we've discussed before. Um, I've heard it said that nanothermite was something that could only be manufactured by a few countries or something. Is that is there any truth yeah. to that? Uh, yeah, it's um, it could only be manufactured by uh, some kind of I forget exactly what government agency it was. I think it had something to do with the Pentagon. It was some it was some kind of research lab associated with the Pentagon, Israel. And one European country, I believe it was Germany. It was e either it was Germany or the UK. I think it was one of those two: Germany, to the UK, Japan and as well, and Japan. Yeah, and Japan. That was the last one I was going to say. And those so, are the, and it was at that point it was an extremely it was a very exotic um, sort of experimental type incendiary oxidizer, and very very few. It's it's very clear that terror. There's no way that terrorists could have somehow planted nanothermite in there, especially considering the fact that the terrorists would have had to somehow infiltrate, you know, all the companies that went up in the elevator shaft and, you know, planted all the explosives and the thermite and everything. It's just obviously ridiculous. So if, if the nanothermite or molten steel or any of this is true, then it clearly sort of, I mean, it just completely discredits and, uh, you know, negates any idea that it was terrorist. Actually, Aum Shinrikyo was behind that a lot. Yeah, it was Aum Shinrikyo. <laughs> Um, it was, uh, what was that guy's name who was the leader of that, uh, like, Shoko Asakawa or something like that? I have no idea. Dude, Aum Shinrikyo is fucking insane. Aum Shinrikyo was bizarre. They, they raided their compound in Japan, and they found, uh, like, Russian helicopters. Yes. And they had developed, uh, they were testing, like, nerve gas, like, sarin gas in the desert in Australia, and they had contacts with, like, Russian intelligence and all That's this kind of bizarre stuff. Impressive, yeah. Yeah. I think they relocated to Russia in the aftermath of like being caught for that sarin thing. Now, well, the second, yeah, the second largest um, number of uh, well, the country with the second largest number of Amshin Rikyo uh, uh, believers are, I guess, cult members, is uh, Russia by far. I mean, there's no other country that even comes close to Japan and Russia. Sounds pretty uh, Turinist to me. Or actually, I don't yeah. know. Is, is, is Japan part of Turinism, or is that only I, Korea? I don't know. I, okay. Yeah. Who knows? Well, it's an island country. It's an island country, so they probably don't believe it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, island cucks. 
anyway. But and then also, yeah. Well, there's just one more thing. The uh, the is there's the whole thing about the uh, the cheering Muslims or whatever that yes, Trump I talked about. To back to that, you know. Yeah, Trump always brings up that. Oh, you know, I have Muslims friends. They tell me Donald. We were cheering on 9-11. You got to stop this. You got to stop us from cheering, Donald. Yeah, well, they, I mean, there's literally, I have the documents. There's literal FBI documents um, that pretty much explicitly lay out that the people, there were, I think there were like five or six people in the van, and they arrested two, uh, two or three of them. I can't remember. It was like two or three of them were literally Mossad agents. They were known to the FBI. And the other three were helpers from Israel. They weren't actually Mossad, but they were, I guess, helpers or assistants of some they kind. They were like interns at Mossad. Yeah, they were. Inter- yeah, they were Mossad interns. Uh, like Anderson Cooper was a CIA intern or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, and uh, they found uh, money, all this kind of money rolled up in their socks. They had plane tickets to all these other places around the world. For, uh, they, they were departing the day Muslims. after. Are you saying that they, Mossad well, they, that's people who, to pretend to be Muslims and cheer? Is that what you're saying? Well, that's one possible explanation. All I'm saying is they weren't Muslims. And they had explosives in the van. That's, another, that's you know, the well, critical... How, how do you know that this has anything to do with Donald Trump's, like, cheering Muslim thing? How, because this is... Well, th- that was the whole controversy. These people, since they looked Middle Eastern, they were Israelis. Okay, they weren't just, like, white Jews or whatever living in Israel... They were Israelis, and all the they eyewitnesses like who Mizrahi, saw them on the Mizrahi. top of yeah, all the people who said they saw them on the top of the building, they thought they were Muslims, and the mainstream media just went uh, uh, with that narrative and okay. kept saying that they were Muslims, but they weren't. They were Mossad agents. But if you're a fucking secret agent in another country, at, like why would you start cheering? You know, when 9/11 happened, or, or is the idea they were intentionally cheering to make Americans hate Muslims or something? I think that's the most likely explanation. I mean, what other reason would they be cheering? But okay, I mean, unless more to it than that, though, didn't you say they were caught with a, they had a bunch of money and they were they, what was it? They tried to fly to Switzerland or something. Well, that's where they're. Uh, that's where uh, one of them had uh, plane tickets to was Switzerland. They had uh, plane tickets to pretty much all these different countries all over the world, and that's what you do. After, you know, if you're an, if you're kind of with a loosely organized kind of intelligence operation, you split up afterwards and, you know, you don't see each other again for a while. You go to all these different places or you disassociate. Yeah, I've um, seen Munich. I know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well, 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 fair enough. But I, I want to ask you then, like, you know, while we're on this topic kind of of uh, how a conspiracy would be run... This is something that uh, I know you've talked about before in, in, in your articles and in other sources. Um, you've kind of critiqued this idea that is in the conspiracy community that there is just one single monolithic uh, conspiracy uh, entity, whatever, you know, Illuminati yeah. or World Order. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's clearly not, I mean, yeah, whenever the average conspiracy art, I'd say probably believes there's one sort of just monolithic body like consp- one monolithic conspiratorial body and they call it just some sort of like boogeyman like oh, oh it's it's the new world order or the illuminati or or maybe it'll, it'll be something slightly more kind of obscure and kind of specific and targeted they'll say something like oh the Rose the, Bavar- the bavarian yeah the rosicrucians or like the bavarian illuminati or like the freemasons or something um and I mean, this is—I mean, those groups pretty more or less just like don't Bohemian exist anymore. Bro. Firstly, well, Bohemian. Well, I'm going to get to that, but I mean, the point is that whenever, at least when I talk about conspiracy, when anyone who knows what they're talking about talks about conspiracy, they're not unless you're like a boomer mom. You're pretty much just referring to statecraft. You're not referring to one sort of monolithic conspiracy to like enslave all of humanity for no clear reason. I mean, you're more or less talking about statecraft, which is. Uh, which is pretty much executed and carried out by like a number of cliques and factions within, uh, I guess, quote unquote, the elite. I mean, I guess if you want to sort of categorize the elite as kind of one, you know, unitary body or whatever, I, I guess you can sort of make an argument for that because at certain points in time, their interests do align, but on the whole there, there, it's really not one sort of unified body um, that has the same sort of self-interest in all scenarios and in all instances. Um, and there's actually a really good article on this, which I guess you can put in the description. And it's from a website called ISGP uh, that's run by a guy from the Netherlands. 
who is probably, I mean, I, I, I'm going to probably, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's probably the best conspiratard. I mean, his articles, uh, I mean, read more like history articles as opposed to conspiracy articles. Um, and he has a really good website that I guess you can link in the description and he pretty much just lays out and he's done the most extensive research on this as far as I know. And he pretty much just lays out all of these factions and cliques within the elite that he sees, or at least that he's identified. And, um, well, one of them is, and most of this is defined by foreign differences on foreign policy. Okay. Domestic policy doesn't seem to be a big, uh, you know, it does. There doesn't seem to be much of a bifurcation among the elite in terms of domestic policy. But uh, pretty much the two biggest groups are there's a liberal, there's like a liberal diplomatic establishment which is more or less centered around the State Department and um, groups like this Council on Foreign Relations and Trilateral Commission. And this is stuff that like you know your typical sort of uh, you know Alex Jonesoid kind of conspirator talks about. And, um, you know, these groups, uh, do exist and she they're influential. Folks. Yeah. She smells and... like sulfur. <laughs> I mean, they obviously exist and, um, I mean, they're obviously powerful organizations, but that's not to say that they run everything. And, and then the other game, like Islamic communism or what, what are their prerogatives? Uh, well, I, they're more or less, I think their prerogative is, I mean, more or less, a global government. I mean, that's that's kind of a conspiratory thing to say. But, I mean, I don't think Alex Jones is completely off when he says that more or less what they are aiming for is a global government. But the point is that global government is more or less just a vassal for the United States. It's not like a, a secret Muslim United Nations, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, the Iran lobbies in the Obama administration. It's nothing like that. I mean, it's not like... Some sort of, uh, you know, evil, yeah, you know, Obama, quote unquote, globalist, Shia like globalist, like Shia, you know, UN <laughs> world government. It's a world government, but I mean, it's, it's more or less just, yeah, it's a neoliberal world well, government that's controlled by the United States uh, and maybe the UK. I think I support the conspiracy. Yeah, maybe good. And this is people like Henry Kissinger, uh, George Schultz. Uh, a lot of people who are from the Nixon administration were in, were pretty much embodied. This Casper uh, Weinberger was a big one. Um, and this is yeah, the and left this, wing of the. Uh... I mean, I don't know if I call it left wing. I mean, I don't. It, it's more left wing than the other one. But the What's point the is that one? it's diplomatic. And the other one is. Actually, um, I'm sorry. Before you go on, would you say that, like, what what would you say the main organs or institutions of that group's power? Would you say that it's well. I would, uh, I'd say it's the State Department. The State That's Department? the biggest. State Department is the biggest one. Okay. Um, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, uh, the board of most most of the big New York banks are in this, are somewhat related to this, like the advisory boards of all the big banks, like J.P. Morgan and Citigroup. I mean, they're more or less aligned with this group. Um, well, what's the uh, Rockefeller, that, Rockefeller Foundation? Yeah. What's the evidence that this clique even exists at all? How do I know you're not just prattling on about you know whatever? Uh, well, I mean that's the point of the article. I mean he essentially goes through. I mean these people are you know socialized in these same cliques. These are the people they surround themselves with. He more or less just identifies with people who you know are around others at certain times, like given like in a during a, like in a presidential administration. Or on in in groups like the Council on Foreign Relations or Trilateral Commission, who pretty much openly have the same goals as one another, and they have more or less the same political ideology, um, and theirs just happens to be diplomatic, as opposed to militaristic, which is the other faction I was going to talk about. Okay, the other yeah. faction is, uh, I, he calls it right wing. I don't really know how right wing it is. I mean, I know most people who listen to this podcast probably call themselves right wing, so they'd be offended by that. But, I mean, let's just say, I mean, for the sake of simplicity, that this is the more right-wing faction, and it's very militaristic, and it's centered around, it's based around the Pentagon. Um, and I, I want to say both of these, according to this author, both of these are present in the CIA. It's not clear that the CIA is dominated by either one of these groups. They're both present. Uh, but the conservative one is largely centered around the Pentagon, and it's embodied by groups like the American Security Council, Council for National Policy, 
Council for Security Policy or Center for Security Policy and all these other kind of obscure think tanks. I think Heritage Foundation is another big one. Uh, American Enterprise Institute. Okay, based, um, based. Yeah, I mean, some Hoover Institute. A lot of them are uh, well, kind just of based, keeps getting particularly better. if you're a libertarian. I, you know, I, I thought I liked but the But the thing that you wouldn't, the thing that you wouldn't like, the thing that you wouldn't like is that, uh, I mean, it's very militaristic, and it's pretty much the national security establishment. Ooh, boom, I mean, no they're, lucky. yeah, you don't like that. Ron Paul Levolution. Yeah. Okay. So it kind of, yeah, I mean, you, at certain points in time, you said you liked both of them, so... Yeah. All right. I think they need to reconcile their differences, just like the Bloods and the Crips. They need to like team up. Yeah. Well, and then there's a third one. Okay, uh, what's the third which, one? Which? Well, the third one is uh, Israel and oh, okay. the Zionists, obviously. So obviously um, I mean, like you obviously can't leave them out. Yeah. Yeah, we all love that one, of course. <laughs> um, particularly in you know the alt right or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Really um, but yeah, I mean, you know. but more, uh, that I think, uh, and he actually mentions this uh, in the article, that it's more or less synonymous with the sort of militaristic Pentagon faction at this point, because, uh, you know, the foreign policies of both of these groups are aligned. Um, and this is this is where people uh, like, uh, you know, like Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, I mean, he obviously, he's pretty much the epitome of this group. Um, and he's very much in with Jared Kushner. You know, Jared Kushner, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, literally slept in Jared Kushner's bed when he was a child. What the fuck? And his, yeah, and his Wait, father, Jared Kushner's father, Charles Kushner, was behind this guy. He was, like, the main kind of sort of... like, Michael Obama or something, or is this... No, this was literally written about in, like, all the New Jersey newspapers. This, the newspaper, the <laughs> governor of New Jersey, like, Jim McGreevy or whatever, his main financial backer was, um was uh, Charles Kushner, who was Jared Kushner's dad. And um, this guy, Charles Kushner, blackmailed Jim McGreevy into basically doing whatever he wanted him to do by having him sleep with, like, gay Israelis that he recruited <laughs> into the United States. I mean, this is, like, this is, like, this is literally reported in, like, mainstream newspapers in New Jersey. But the thing is, like, just no one pays attention to it. Like, everyone just reads the title of... The article, they don't really read what, it, and they just ignore the details. The like, what, like, gay Jew, like, sleeps with Israeli people? It was, it was basically the expose on why Jim McGreevy had to resign as the governor of New Jersey. <laughs> and it was all, it was, like, way hidden somewhere in the article. But going back to the conservative fashion of the elite, or whatever you want to call it, it's, um, it's pretty much epitomized by people like James Woolsey and, like, Paul Wolfowitz and Sean Bolton. These kinds of people, basically the PNAC crowd, um, Richard Pearl. I mean, these are all the kinds of people that you're going to see here. And yeah, pretty basically everyone in this group was like somehow directly or indirectly involved with PNAC, the okay. Project for a New American Century, which I think a, a lot of people are familiar with. A lot of people who aren't Isn't that like a robot thing. Like, I mean, let's dispel the illusion that this isn't going to be a New American Century. Yeah. <laughs> that was his like slogan, wasn't it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I like, was that the new. American I thought he thing? that was just that something was that he said Rubio. during the debate. I no, thought it was no, no, something the, he said. Okay, the dispel thing was what he said during the debate. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was his like campaign slogan. Like, let me look this up. It was like New American Century or something. So does that mean that like gay like Latino fucking like football players are in on this conspiracy as well? I, they probably are, to be perfectly okay. honest. <laughs> All right, what was well, it, what? Marco Rubio? I was in like a, he was in like a South Beach like bubble party or some kind of crap, like gay bubble party in the eighties or something. That, that wasn't that even a, a conspiracy. I don't even. Th I think I'm pretty sure that was just a fact. Just like the Bohemian Grove is a fact. Okay. That one wasn't even like. I mean, all the Trumpoids kind of latched onto that one. I mean, that wasn't even really a conspiracy. <laughs> the Trump Anzies. Yeah, the Trump Anzies. Okay. Yeah, little Marco. He has little Marco. Own, he has his own sexual derelictions, but that's okay. Yeah, and well, one of the interesting things about that is that um, a lot of these kind of uh, militaristic sort of uh, right wing types, there was actually this this uh, term that was coined. Um, they actually call it. I can't remember who coined this but uh they said that they were the lavender mafia and i guess lavender has something to do with gays or homosexuals and so a lot of these people the point is they're homosexually blackmailed 
they're homosexuals, but you know, <laughs> no one knows it. Mean? What, what? And that was, you know, uh, well, the point is, you know, no one publicly knows that they're homosexuals okay, or you know, pedophiles, but they're black. Is it, okay, wait, wait, wait. Is it? Really well, remember, that bad remember Dennis Hastert. Remember Dennis Hastert. No, I mean I'm not he a was pretty boomer. much. I have no idea who that is. He was basically just a blackmail pedophile. I think he was a senator. He was a senator. Um, yeah. You know, and then he was, I mean, literally convicted of pedophilia and, you know, it came out that he was blackmailed. Pedophiles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. But, but all right. Sorry. I keep interrupting you. Tell me how he was blackmailed and how that's like a conspiracy or something. Oh, hello. Did we lose you? Andriago? Oh, uh, wait. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What was the question? Hang on. I... Tell me how he was blackmailed and how that relates to conspiratardism. Oh, well, um, he was, I, I don't remember the exact details as to how he was blackmailed. I, there's actually um, a Corbett Report article on that, which you can link in the description. But he was, he was, I can't, I think it had something to do with the Chicago, like the people who ran the Republican Party in Illinois uh, were the ones who were blackmailing him for that. Um, and Dennis Hastert, I believe himself claimed that he was being blackmailed. Um, I mean, he testified to su as such that he was being blackmailed. Um, and I mean, you can take that, you know, however you want to, I mean, maybe it may might be in his self interest to All say right, that yeah, he was sure. blackmailed, but, uh, another person who, uh, is, uh, related to this is Roy Cohn, who was, uh, the guy who was really the brains behind the McCarthy operation. And he was this, he, you know, he was this sort of red baiting guy and, um, he was, I mean, more or less a pawn of the Dulles brothers, of Alan Dulles, who was the first director of the CIA, if you know who they are. Um, they, they were probably the two most powerful people throughout the, or some, you know, one of the, Alan Dulles, at least, was one of the most powerful people in the 50s and 60s in the United States. And um, Roy Cohn uh, was, more or less, he was mentored by Dulles. And then Cohn went on to uh, be a self, uh, you know, Trump described, uh, you know, Cohn is a self-described uh, mentor and advisor to Trump, and Trump acknowledges this. Uh, Trump himself um, acknowledges that Cohn was a mentor and an advisor uh, in his early career in New York, you know, before he was really big, before, you know, the 80s came around when he became famous. And uh, Cohn was... A, uh, he was pretty much just a point man between a lot of like Republican politicians in the intelligence community. He um, he was on the board of Permindex, which is one of the which is one of the companies that was uh, involved in the or a lot of the people who are believed to have been involved in the, J the conspiracy to assassinate JFK were on the board of Permindex. He was on that company. He he was on the board of that company. He was um, Let's see. He was he orchestrated pedophile blackmail rings with the CIA, and, um, and not like the meme like PizzaGate kind. No, this is not the meme PizzaGate kind. There were actually there have been books. Uh, book there, I think the the big the best source is from a book that was written on J Edgar Hoover. I can't remember what the title was, but it's in my article. If you're going to link that in the description, there's actually a book. There's been yeah, plenty of books about that time period. There's a book written. I think there's a book written about Roy Cohn that mentioned this by Wayne Barrett. There's a book um, about J. Edgar Hoover that mentioned this. There's a guy, there's an NYPD cop who, uh, who's who been interviewed by a bunch of people who um, has corroborated this. And he did it out of the Plaza Hotel, which was at one point owned by Trump. And the instance that they that, that is talked about in the book was not during the period of time in which Trump owned the building. Um, but it is interesting that he has owned that building okay. <laughs> that Roy Cohn blackmailed people out of. All right, well, Trump BTFO. But I want to shift yeah. gears for a second here, and I want to, you know, actually speaking of Trump, this is a good transition, because earlier on you sort of mentioned John Bolton, and this is something I find interesting. So how do these different factions, the, uh, the you know, the left wing, whatever you want to call it, the right wing, uh, and the Zionist faction of this statecraft in, in Western or American politics, how does this play into the Trump administration and particularly how, how it seems to be going through advisors so quickly and, and how power seems to be so dynamic in the new Trump administration? Well, that's the thing. Uh, most of the advisors, I think, that are really pulling the strings are probably informal advisors that don't actually have positions in his cabinet because it doesn't, it doesn't appear that he really pays attention to anything that any of these other people say. Um, like H.R. McMaster, uh, I mean, apparently, I mean, it's all come out that he really just never listens to what these people say. He, 
He hates uh, Kelly. He hates his freaking chief of staff. He never <laughs> listens to them. So, but you know who why does, does he, he nominate does? these people? Just because like republicans like tell him to, and he just like listens to well, them. Well, his, I mean, more or less, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he may not always listen to them, but I, I think most of uh, you know. I mean, firstly, it's pretty clear that he's almost, like, brainwashed through the television. I mean, Fox and Friends <laughs> literally... Fox, <laughs> Fox and Friends literally telegraphs all this crap to him pretty much, like, 24-7 through the television. And this impacts... Fox and Friends itself impacts the news cycle through what Trump sees, like, on the television watching, no, which is just an insanely bizarre situation. <laughs> and there's a few other shows like that, too. Like, I think... Um, uh, Joe's uh, this uh, yeah, show, morning. Joe can was you on. Give this. an example of this happening of, of Trump reacting to something he saw on Fox and like that shaping policy. Well, I don't know that it shapes policy, but they talk about it in the news. They talk about how he responds to these people in the news, and he tweets about them. And I mean, that pretty much dominates the news cycle now. Like what Trump is tweeting. Right. They go back and forth. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it impacts policy. I don't know to the extent to which Trump is actually running policy, which gets back to all the advisors. Like he has tons of informal advisors that people just generally don't know about, like uh, Rupert Murdoch, who um, I mean, he's pretty much the head of Fox News, talks to him like on a daily basis um, on the phone. And apparently, like a lot of people, a lot of people that Rupert Murdoch has supposedly been against, according to uh individuals with like knowledge of the situation within the white house a lot of people who rupert murdoch doesn't like have eventually sort of been out at the white house like he didn't like steve bannon rupert murdoch didn't like steve bannon he didn't like hr mcmaster apparently so a lot of people he seems to like uh, a lot of people he doesn't like tend to uh you know be banned from the white house so okay. to speak eventually um then you also have peter teal who uh, i think based, was probably based. yeah he yeah he's pretty based and he um I think that he was more or less the real sort of brains, uh, brains. You know, he was more or less the brains behind the Trump um, analytics, and um, uh, you know the, the whole Cambridge Analytica story has come out. But I think there, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Cambridge Analytica was more or less just like a shell company, um, uh, you know, more uh, just a conduit through which the Trump administration did business with Robert Mercer, who is one of the guys who is funding the Trump administration. Or, uh, okay. fun he, the, he's funded Trump. He's funded, uh, you know, he interacted with Bannon and skied so, with like, Bannon with all these like different NPR media companies. Right. Russia really did hack the election with Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, it was clearly Russia. Yeah. What, like, what, I mean, <laughs> like, well, actually, that is something I'd like to ask. Actually, no, no, no. I don't want to get too ADHD and off topic here because before I get into Russia, here's something I wanted to ask you. Okay, you mentioned, though, specifically John Bolton as a member of a, a prominent member of one of those factions. I think you said he was part of the right wing faction. Well, yes, he was one of the main. He was uh, he was one of the people who um, was of the was one of the founding members of PNAC. Right, and now he has just been appointed to Trump's cabinet. So, what does that mean? Uh, well, I mean, I'm getting to, well, this just, just generally goes with a pattern of people from this sort of Pentagon faction being in the Trump administration. Like Flynn, uh, Michael Flynn was part of that, and the really the big one that I wanted to get to was Wasn't James Flynn Woolsey. Was the fucking Turkish faction, though? Well, I mean, there really is no Turkish faction. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> that I mean, would just be a complete, a... like, meme faction. <laughs> but yeah, the weird, uh, well, let me there just finish Teal first. Faction. I'll finish okay, Teal, Teal first, and I'll Teal. get to Woolsey, Woolsey, who's really the most important sort of key to this sort of factional right, sort of right, theme right, that we're going with. I won't interrupt. And so, yeah, Teal, um, the, and this was this was in a like a BBC article that was sort of just like an afterthought that they basically just dumped a bunch of a bunch of like things they had found out about Teal, but it was like at the bottom of this BBC article, and virtually no one else reported on it ever. But uh, Palantir employees had been seconded to work on the Trump digital campaign. Um, and Palantir is the chief sort of uh, machine learning and data analytics. I mean, which is really, this is all just a fancy, like fancy ways of saying, or sort of like, you know, ridiculous sort of like, you know, buzzword ways of saying like mathematical optimization. I mean, that's it. all it is. Yeah, we get like it. I'm, I'm like, fucking listening to Serial Experiments Lane right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it pretty much is. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Palantir is this big contractor for the CIA, primarily CIA, but also NSA and Army and FBI and like big police departments. 
and they, uh, you know, contract for these like data analytics, um, projects for governments. Um, and so it's very interesting that, um, you know, this quote unquote political outsider has people from this company coming in and working on his digital campaign. And so, yeah, I think that's more like, that's really who was behind the sort of, uh, Trump digital campaign, not this like ridiculous guy, like this Alexander Nix guy who is like such a retard that he is entrapped by like this, like Shri- this guy who pretends to be like a Sri Lankan who can like barely speak Wait, English. Yeah. Yeah. Him. That's how, that's how it was exposed. The New York times sent in this guy who's like a Sri Lankan and he <laughs> pretended to be like a Sri Lankan politician who was trying to, yeah, he, he like went what? to a bar in London and he was like, this New York Times reporter who obviously is like Indian or Sri Lankan or something, which is the only reason he could okay. do this. But he went in and he, it was like a sting operation and he went in and that's how they were able to publish this. He went in and like asked Cambridge Analytica about what kind of services they could offer his political campaign. And Alexander Nix, who is the guy who heads Cambridge Analytica is like, yeah, you know, we can uh, blackmail politicians. We can send them prostitutes so we can blackmail them and, you know, covertly, record them, you know, screwing these prostitutes or whatever, we can bribe them. Um, I mean, they were just talking about all these underhanded tactics, but the point is, like, this Alexander Nix guy, who's basically just, like, a PR, like, spokesman. I mean, it doesn't appear that he really has all that much experience with, like, analytics or, you know, math or computer science or anything. He is, like, so dumb that he just, like, goes along with this, like, stupid, like, Sri Lankan guy who's pretending to be, like, a Sri Lankan politician. And, you know, everyone, all the, like, uh, you know, all the, like, liberals who are, are they're crying and they're like, you know, this is the brains behind the Trump digital operation. And it's like, I mean, it's clearly just not. And, <laughs> and I mean, that's clearly not who it was, this, like, dumb guy. Like, I mean, come on. Okay. This is a good transition. Because well, then, this is something... hang on. Okay, well, there's right. one, I'll get to James Woolsey. Sorry. Ahead, I mean, James I know this Woolsey. is going on for a while. James Woolsey. So, James Woolsey was the, fa- he's the quote-unquote father of PNAC. And I can't remember where I think that comes That's from a the book. New American Century shit. Right? Yes, the That's, yeah the project for he, a New American Rubio Century. Pilled. Yes, he's Rubio pilled, and this guy he was uh, on the Trump transition team, and he was an advisor to Trump throughout the election. And then he supposedly, you know, all the all the alt rightoids went crazy over this. They're like, oh, we're purging the deep state from the Trump administration because James Woolsey's out. Yes, so he technically he formally comes off the transition team, but later. We find out that he's on, he was put on the board of the of Michael Flynn's consulting group, the Flynn Intel Group. He is ba- he's basically communicating and liaising with Michael Flynn on a daily basis, and he was in a meeting. And Michael Flynn was the guy who was going around doing all these shady deals and everything for you know who, Trump. Yeah, who was shilling for fucking Air yeah. and trying to extra yeah, and he, yeah, that's what I'm going to get to. He was um, Woolsey went into this meeting uh, with Flynn. And uh, they were meeting with a bunch of uh, people from, like, the military and the Turkish government, and they were concocting this, like, harebrained, like, scheme to extract Fatula Gulen from the United States back to Turkey to, like, face, like, prosecution for trying to overthrow Erdogan. Okay. And so uh, so they were scheming to do this, um, which was a very bizarre sort of episode. And, Wolsey and James Woolsey... He was James Woolsey, like, walked... What even do you continue after, what? He was, Woolsey was able to be deeply involved in this operation, you're saying, even after he was supposedly purged from the Trump team. Well, the point is, is that Woolsey, and this guy's a big national security defense establishment guy, he is literally, he's, he may be the ranking, or well, I mean, I don't want, there's not formal rankings, but he may be the most powerful guy in the sort of right-wing Pentagon faction today. He was with, I mean, he said that he was completely, uh, you know, going to disassociate from the Trump administration after he left the transition team, but he clearly didn't because he remained on the board of the Flynn Intel Group, and he was with Flynn in this meeting, and then Flynn offered him the position of CIA director when Trump won, which which Woolsey turned down because he did not, I, he probably didn't want to be associated, like, within a mile of Trump, um, at least, you know, publicly, he didn't want to be associated with him. Um, and so, yeah, the it's pretty clear that, that he as did. a member of the Trump transition team. 
Well, offer, that's why I think that's why James Woolsey turned it down because he did not think that Flynn had the authority to offer him that position. Oh, okay, I see. That, that may be one. That may be his public reason for doing it. Who no, really knows what the real reason is? But that's the one that he publicly gave. And I don't think Flynn did have the authority to offer him that position. I mean, Flynn got out of there pretty quickly, right? Yeah. After he like lied to Mike Pence or something. Yeah. Where did I mean, Mike well, Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn was just toxic to begin with. I mean, he was extremely kind of lazy and you know not very careful about you know all of his dealings i mean he was more or less hey i mean like exposed I, by I, everyone I have you talking shit about a fellow irishman <laughs> is he irish i mean flynn is an irish name yeah I, I didn't know flynn was an irish name in any case so so go ahead flynn is is toxic Q-Britain well, he's to- he's toxic because he had been, you know, exposed as having lied to all these people and met all these shady people from third world countries like Turkey and Russia. And, you know, that's just not someone that you want to put in the role of national security advisor. You just I mean, triggered just not, any fucking like you just Putin, triggered everyone Putin, you know? like alt right. Yeah. Boys who are listening to this by calling Russia a third world country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a third world country. I mean, you've seen pictures of like Moscow. I mean, it literally looks, like, almost as bad as, like, New Delhi. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can't argue with that, I guess. Actually, I uh, Although St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg looks a lot better. I mean, St. Petersburg looks like a first world country. It's, Moscow, it's on the aesthetic. other hand, doesn't. It's because it's, it's on the Baltic Sea. It's got that, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's no, like, it's, it's spiritually it's finished. To, yeah, it's close to Finland, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, actually, I, I want to know, though. I asked you about Mike Pence. So what do you think his deal is? Is he uh, in on some conspiracy? Or he was okay. Well, there's one that there's one about Mike Pence that I, I Pence that I don't know much about, and I don't know how like credible it is. So um, there, he was apparently a member of some kind of like evangelical Christian lobby that's big in D.C. and it's on K Street, which is like where all the consulting firms is. But there's like apparently this big house. And there was like a book written about this, which is really the only source for it. So who knows how credible it is? But I mean, supposedly, even he's supposedly Catholic too. Yeah, well, it's it's like an evangelical. It's Mike Pence and a bunch of other people like uh, Jerry Falwell, um, and all you know, all these people associated with these like radical sort of just like TV like televangelist type people who apparently are all members of this like like lobbying organization on K Street, which is just composed of all these just like extremist like Christian Zionists. Um, so he's supposedly affiliated with that. I, I really don't know much about it. Is that it. even a conspiracy? That sounds like something that could just be true. I don't even, that doesn't sound... I think it is just true, but I don't know how powerful it is. Like, like that's the why, conspiracy. Why is that even, why is that even conspiratorial? Like, that, that... Because, oh, I, well, Mike, I, I guess... Pence is associated with Christian Zionists. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, there are probably some people who would call you a conspirator for, like, even talking about this. I mean... I guess. I, I don't imagine that's very implausible that that could happen. I mean, a lot of people will just, like, straight out deny it. Like, if you say that someone's associated with the Zionists, they'll call you, like, an anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that's what we gotta do. And, I mean, a lot of people call the Bohemian Grove a conspiracy theory, but it's, I mean, it's literally just a fact. Yeah. I mean, there's no... The, con- the conspiracy surrounding... It, right? the, yeah, the conspiracy surrounding the Bohemian Grove is how... Like, is it, like, really a functioning body of conspiracy? Like, how powerful it is? It's not that it exists. I mean, it clearly exists. That's not the conspiracy. The conspiracy is, like, how impactful is it on, like, world events? God, you know what this reminds me of? Dude, back in high school, there was this girl, um, and I, I was hitting on her a little bit when I was an incel. And and she asked me something like the most country fucking normie thing. She was like, "So, um, do you think that like the Illuminati exists?" And I'm just like, "Well, how do I even like? Yeah, I guess there was a uh, you know Bavarian like society full of like autists who like talked about like I don't know Hegel or something." And, and she was like, exist. like, and then she like instantly, like instantaneously called the cops. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I'm a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> she saw me as a pedophile. Yeah, I mean, she did. Clearly, I owned a desktop computer. Yeah, and I knew anything. I knew who Hegel was. I mean, that that's <laughs> a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! I really wanted to mention that Teal was on the board of the NS of. Uh, on the board of, like, a company 
the NSO group that was that was um that came from like Israeli the Israel's NSA. It came from Unit eighty two hundred, which is Israel's NSA, and he was the board of like a company that was like the brainchild of like Israel's NSA, which is really interesting. That is um, interesting. Wow, that makes but, it even uh, more based. Yeah, yeah, I know it's amazing. I, I would, I would, I will suck Peter Thiel's dick if he, you know. Well, it wasn't offered. Peter Thiel; it was Michael Flynn. Oh, Michael Flynn! I thought you were talking about Peter Thiel. I would not suck Michael Flynn's dick, despite the fact that he and I are racial kin. <laughs> you wouldn't. No, and we both, you know, share an affinity for Erdogan. No, J.K. Okay, so I wanted to. I'd love to get keep going in the weeds with you here, uh, buddy, but. We are running out of time, and so I would like to leave you, though, with a question, uh, Andriago. Don't you think that conspiracy theories are pretty much just gay because, uh, you know, Occam's razor or something? Uh, well, I mean, that's more or less uh, the idea that um, if there's a simpler explanation, you should always just go to, go with that. I mean, anything that sort of invokes the least amount of extra assumptions, you should just go with it. That's Occam's razor, right? Yes. Um, well, um, Occam's razor, unfortunately, does not apply if the most simple explanation can't account for all of the observations. I mean, oh, obviously, wow. if there's some, some kind of observation, shit going if there's, on right here. well, yeah, but none of the skeptics really, I mean, acknowledge it. They're just like, oh, I mean, clearly the simplest explanation is the right one because, um, you know, this guy wrote it in a physics textbook, you know, uh, I mean, that's more or less the Occam's razor argument. But, I mean, if there is, if there is, I mean, some kind of observation that just blatantly contradicts um, Occam's razor, as there are with a lot of conspiracy topics, then the simplest explanation obviously can't be the right one. Okay. Yeah, seems legit. All right, well, thanks for coming on. This has been Curse Discussions Episode 2. I've been Chucky Arla. With me today, I'm Diago Ferrara. Uh, we will be back in two weeks again. Uh, write us an email at cursediscussions at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. And kill myself.